Welcome back everyone to the Kelly Mental Health Podcast located in Thunder Bay, Ontario. In today's episode, CEO Linda Kelly and myself, Cassandra Nerdell, sat down to discuss revisiting the fear of the unknown, coping skills and grounding techniques for not only students, but for educators and parents returning to the classroom. From everyone at Kelly Mental Health, we would like to wish everyone a safe and healthy return. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. We're here. We are here. We are back. Feels like we we have been gone for a while, but I know we haven't. <laughs> yeah, time is kind of strange right now. It's a goes by really fast but it also is extremely slow (laughs) yeah I agree Um, welcome back in season two and this is episode eight and today we are talking about coping skills for returning to the classroom and among other things and I think it's just really just getting across everyone's fears about returning to the classroom Um, even when it comes to parents educators kids everything students you know so Mm-hmm. I am reading a lot of concerns from educators, teachers, uh, as well as parents, and mm-hmm. they are all really valid concerns. And, you know, it, there's just so many complicating factors, too, where there's, you know, some people that don't necessarily agree that this is as dangerous as people are saying it is. Uh, and then there's completely the opposite end where people are saying this pandemic could end in long term issues for people that are e- oh, wow. even asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of concern about returning to school where the last thing that I read was saying that even if you are in a bubble of maybe 20 kids, you're going to have indirect contact with minimum of 100 people a day just by being there. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I haven't even thought about that. Mm-hmm. And of course, kids are hit and miss with uh, wearing their masks properly. And of course, with sanitizing, I mean, I was never a kid that paid much attention to 20 seconds with the soap in the water. I thought, I thought, no, no, I'll I'll develop a good immune system. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been very well behaved over the past few months. (laughs) You know, that's something that I was kind of thinking about um, parents and, and worrying about their kids right now, because even though, you know, we've been going through this now for a few months and we kind of created like what we call like the new normal kind of thing. Right. So we as a, as a child, if you're sitting there and your parent is there and they're telling you to wash your hands, it's great. But when you go to school, even I think back to even when I was in school, like, did I really listen to everything that my parents told me? Like, probably not. Was I goofing off and was I the class clown when I was younger? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely playing it's it's you know taken over like the big role here um for parents and I'm sure obviously I think all the educators are are nervous about this too I know that I saw multiple posts about mask uh trading you know being a younger (laughs) kid and talking about this and it's so it's it's funny because we we do like like as humans we laugh about it I've seen memes I've laughed about it I even saw one of my close friends share something last night about it. And I woke up and I was like, okay, this is actually serious though. Like, (laughs) and I think it's hard because, you know, it's just, we're kind of back at the stages. I think back to like our very first podcast in our first season where we were talking about, you know, how, how it feels like when the world is ending. Um, And we really discussed a lot of these fear of, you know, fears. And especially at the time, the fear of the unknown, we didn't know what our world was going to look like. 
And I feel like we're kind of revisiting. And that's something that you and I kind of discuss off the podcast. And mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a scary time right now for everyone. It, it really is. I think when things came to a shutdown before, uh, it was right after March break. So after March break, mm-hmm. the kids didn't return. And it was scary. But there was this sense of control that, you know, okay, if I have a child, they're with me. I mean, yes, it's a pain. It's very difficult. But now that the prospect is coming up where these kids are actually returning to school, what we're doing is we are letting go of some control. And that is really, really scary. Because like you said, you probably never listened to your parents when you were in school. You know how many lunch bags I went through? Like I couldn't remember from the time I got on the bus where my mom said, bring your lunch bag home to, you know, just put it in my bag. Like, you know, kids are distracted and they're going to get into the routine with their friends. And, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate in a way that we have to actually keep them off balance and keep them from getting into a comfortable routine just so that they continually remember about Mm -hmm. sanitizing and and social distancing yeah I think you made a you know like and you make a good point too it's like because even even when I was a kid like I remember when my mom gave me some spam sandwich and I'm like oh this is the worst Mm -hmm. but then I had you know my close friend and she had turkey and chicken and she liked like so we switched lunches so even like thinking about that, like, I just, I couldn't imagine being a parent I, I, and I haven't been able to, to imagine that like throughout this whole entire thing. So, but you really think about it now and it's like, it is, it's scary. And the protocols are even in high school, I was reading, you know, some of the protocols for, for like the high school students. And it's just a lot. Like one of the girls that, on my Facebook, she even said, she's like, I don't, won't even remember this. Like there, like, there's just a lot going on right now. Mm-hmm. And the teachers have, despite popular uh, thought, the teachers have not had time to prepare for this. No, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point. That's very true. Mm -hmm. And and how do you really prepare for something you don't really know, like what it's going to look like, right? Like, yeah, we don't have a roadmap for this. (laughs) No, we haven't had a roadmap for anything, but we made it this far. (laughs) So that's always a plus. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, like, it's just now it comes down to the point of like, okay, so how, like, what are some tips that we can give to parents, you know, with children or teens returning to classes, maybe some ways to manage our stress, like right now, like, so I think it's definitely a good topic to discuss on the podcast and get this information out to people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, we'll definitely try to give some of those tips and tricks, really, when you proposed this topic to me, Um, I, I kind of, I, I came to a pause and, and I kind of said to you, I don't know what to tell people. Like, I, (laughs) I I don't know. I, I kind of went blank because here, you know, one of the biggest issues for therapists sometimes is when we're pulled into a situation, it can be really difficult for us to not want to just fix the situation versus, you know, address how someone is feeling about it and help them feel better about it. So I needed to step back a little bit. I can't solve the fact that our school system is probably going to be chaotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't solve the childcare issue right now for people. I can't even solve people's uh, general anxiety about what's going on because that anxiety is valid. Mm-hmm. But we can feel better about what's going on. And we do that by working with our kids directly. So the one, you know, you, you uh, actually had put together a wonderful, right to the point kind of article. And I'm just going to go right off of that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, because that the very first thing is validate, listen and support. This is Mm -hmm. exactly what we told people when it came to uh, talking to your kids about the pandemic. 
Um, you don't want to use things like toxic positivity, like, no, we're good. We're fine. It's just whatever. Yeah, don't worry about it. We don't mm -hmm. want that. We don't want to lie to them and say that it's fine. We don't want to scare them overly much and traumatize them by, you know, <laughs> My, I think I told you about this before, my aunt who used to give very gruesome descriptions of what was going to happen to the kids if they kept playing near the stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> so let's not do that. Okay, but let's, number one, get on their level. So if you have, you know, a five-year-old, if you have a teenager, get face to face with them. Don't just kind of say things offhand, maybe across the table, but get face to face with them on their level and ask them, how are you feeling? and then validate how they feel, whatever it is. If they're angry that they don't get to play with their friends, if they are sad because they're losing out on opportunities here, if they're scared of not knowing what to expect, 100% valid, that's okay, hun. Uh, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way and that must feel really bad using empathic language just to let them know that it's okay. And the reason for this is because what you're doing is giving them an outlet, you're not having them you know, experience those feelings and then telling them to bottle those up because those feelings mm -hmm. are wrong. Yeah, I think that's the big difference with, with you know, going, you know, the subject and talking to your children now. Because I mean, even when I was a kid, I, I can picture moments of like my parents doing what they shouldn't have probably done. It's like, oh yeah, Cassandra, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Whereas this situation is a little different. It's like, we, we really want the parents to be discussing this and having these real conversations with their, with, you know, with their kids. Obviously it's a little difficult to have a real conversation with say a two-year-old or a three-year-old. Um, right. Like, so it, it's, it's a little different, but I mean, I think the biggest thing that you discussed and, and, you know, to, to basically get out there is validate and listen to what they're going through. Um, you know, have that conversation before the, they get back to the classes and that's why we chose to discuss this topic this week rather than next week. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important. I actually read an article too. Um, and it was a woman in Toronto, a teacher in Toronto. She was uh, encouraging parents to come like forward. If any of her, like the, their children had anxiety. Um, she actually made a um, deal with like the school board. So obviously one, one children per day kind of thing or per hour or whatever, she would take the kids into the classrooms, reintroduce them, explain how like the setup was going to go. And then obviously sanitize in between. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that, like, obviously I know that it's not always doable and I understand that, but something like that, I think that's so important. Like, you know, reentering this new normal. Um, I think that would be so beneficial, but obviously we can't always get what we want, but um, you know, just talking to, talking to them about, yeah, it's going to look different. The classrooms are going to look different. There's going to be things, everything has changed, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and half of the battle here is just having kids understand based on their developmental level, what it is to transfer a virus from person to person or, you know, uh, to actually understand germ theory. It's, it's a little bit complicated sometimes. Yeah. Like, and, and like, so one of my close friends, obviously her, her, like her, like her son um, is returning to school. She was considering keeping him home, but you know, they kind of weighed the pros and the cons and she really worked the last like month to discuss with him um, a few options. She kind of left it up to him in a sense, obviously still putting forth her, her and, 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 you know, and the father's opinion, but so they kind of came down to, okay, so if I, if I do hold my child back and then I let him go, you know, back to school in say January, cause they gave, I guess, kids that or parents that option. Mm -hmm. 
how is that, how is he going to feel when friendships are made, groups are made, kind of clicks are made and then returning kind of by himself in, in January. Right. So he actually made the decision. So he was so, he was so sure that he didn't want to go back to school. He was super scared. He has asthma. He has really bad anxiety. Um, so, but after that conversation, he kind of figured, you know, maybe I don't want to go back and feel alone. Like, mm-hmm. it, cause it, it could come down to that. Right. So they kind of made the decision um, together, all like all together as a family, that he will be returning next week um, to school. So he's excited, but he is really scared. But she sat down with him, you know, ha- had the the important conversations. If your if your friend has a, you know, Avenger mask that you like, don't borrow it from him. We will buy you <laughs> one. <laughs> you know, so having those types of of conversations pre-re-entering the classroom, I think is really beneficial right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to anticipate what the possible issues could be. And you mentioned about food sharing before. I yeah. used to send my son with extra snacks for other kids in case mm-hmm. other kids didn't have them. And we got them sent back a few times and they said the kids are not allowed to share. And this was back before pandemic, like it was because of potential allergies. Oh, okay. Yeah, or, or contamination, I guess. You yeah. know, you could end up with a lawsuit if, you know, someone's kid ate food that they didn't go to school with, right? So mm-hmm. I think back in the day, they just didn't care. <laughs> they were just like, you know what, we'll figure this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we used to do it all the time. Like my friend had the Dunkaroos and I had the fruit rolls oh. swap every time. I never I got like, allowed the Dunkaroos. Oh, oh. I, I like I <laughs> never did either. Like my like but I still got the fruit roll up, which I'm like, okay, cool. Like so yeah, I, I get it. Like it's just it's difficult. I, I think I think about even myself right now, being, being that age and going to school and like, you know, being going through all of this, I couldn't imagine what children, what like, you know, students, what educators, what parents, everyone is feeling right now. It's just, um, it is, it, it's, it's, we're revisiting a very scary time and it's uh, definitely worrisome for sure. It's the fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I think school might be better than the alternative because I'm sitting here beside my son and I thought he was playing a video game this whole time, but he's no, he's watching someone comment on them playing a video game. Uh, yeah, kids do that now. You're not even playing it. What are you doing? <laughs> is he, what, is he funny? He doesn't look funny. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a big decision to decide what it is that you're going to do if you're going to, because some of them are uh, online only, some of them are split. It's just going to yeah. be so hectic for parents. And I mean, my personal opinion is uh, sometimes I do wish that we just, that schooling itself, education itself would completely change form mm-hmm. where it is more interactive online. Uh, and mm-hmm. we figure out the socialization a little differently. Um but yeah, it's, it's tough. But anyway, going back to how you're talking to your kids, they're, they're not going to feel anything unless they know what's going on. And that's where it comes back to we have to be truthful with them. Now, some people will have varying opinions about what the danger is with this pandemic, uh, whether or not we need to take it seriously. And I would say respectfully, you know, with nothing but love in my heart, if you have that opinion, please don't impose that on your child because they have to go to school and deal with the rules that the com- or you know the entire country has decided are valid mm-hmm. right so if they go and they're saying oh you know this you know my dad says that this is nothing to worry about and you guys are just whining well your child is going to be ostracized and they're going to get into trouble and yeah. it doesn't cost us anything 
to abide by those rules just just out of a sense of caution and safety for others so 100% you feel that way there's there's uh, a lot of you know science to back up a lot of different sides here and I'm not debating mm -hmm. that but please be careful about imposing any kind of belief system on your child that's going to put them in an awkward position when they're trying to just get through the day yeah you make a really good point Linda because you know what that's I, I've even seen and heard people talking about that even when I'm shopping like right now like out in you know Walmart I can hear people you know different generations kind of discussing it and and so I 100% I, I agree with you, you know, not to put that on on your children and especially right now, too, because your kids like are looking at you, right? Like they're looking at your behaviors, they're looking at everything and they're, they're listening. Even though you think your kids might not be listening, they're always listening. Mm -hmm. to you. <laughs> so like, even though we don't want to say that they are, they do. And they're smart. And so I think that is a really good point to make, you know, not to kind of put your values and that, that kind of stuff on, on them like during this pandemic. Yeah, I look at it the same way as the seatbelt laws. When the seatbelt laws came to pass, there were a lot of people that were just like, hey, you know, that's my body, it's my car, I pay for it, that you can't tell me what to do. You know, seatbelts hurt more than they save. And whatever, it's just, if that's the law, you know, you're only going to make life harder for yourself and for your child if you can't mm -hmm. find a way to just make it work. Yeah, that makes a, it's a very good point, actually, mm -hmm. um, to make, because that, yeah, that opens up a little bit more, too. Mm -hmm. so. so then I just want to move into uh, mm -hmm. se separation anxiety. Yeah. So this is going to be a big one. There's kids that already have separation anxiety or had it before this even happened. And so being, being at home with parents uh, has really sort of driven up the sensitivity to separation. If you're home with mom, you know, for months at a time, and then all of a sudden, you have to go into not only a situation you struggled with before, but an, an even more complicated and complex situation where you're afraid of doing the wrong thing. Uh, your teacher may be, you know, dressed in a hazmat suit, like <laughs> you, you got a lot going on, it can be very overwhelming. So as a parent, this can be just heartbreaking. Uh, you may mm -hmm. see your child uh, crying. You may see uh, huge tantrums, huge outbursts. That'll just break your heart. The thing about it, though, is that if you don't have a choice about keeping them home, you need to find a way to give them choice where ultimately they're still doing what they need to do. So they're still going to school, but it's about how we get them to school and how we keep them comfortable at school, not whether or not we can get them to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're talking strategies. Uh, again, we're, we're validating, we're listening, we're supporting, we're saying it's totally okay to feel this way, I understand. So we still have to get you to school, and we still have to get you comfortable at school. And you need to help us, you know, find a way to make this happen. One of the things that I have done uh, with some of the kids I work with is uh, for major separation anxiety, we actually, we call, uh, we read this book, it's called The Invisible String. And it's just supposed to create a sense of comfort uh, by letting you know that there's an invisible string between you and everyone that you love and who loves you. And that string can be as long as you need it to be, you know, it can, it can reach your uncle who's an astronaut on the moon. It can reach your mom who is across town or even just in the other room. Uh, it can even reach, you know, your auntie in heaven. And oh, so wow. it's just a really, really sweet story. And then what we do actually is we'll take, um, 
we'll take some string or some ribbon. Usually I let them pick what color they want because, you know, colors are a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And we'll tie the parent to the child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> and then uh, basically what we try to do is uh, get them to put distance between themselves and the parent. Uh, say the parent will leave the room, but the child is in charge because they know that as soon as they tug three times or whatever is their agreed upon communication, the parent will come back. So what you're doing then is you're encouraging the sense of control, which is a very, very cool thing. So yeah. they, they practice this at home and they practice going further and further. And then eventually what they do when the child is ready, or at least sometimes they're never ready. So you have to set a deadline. You cut the string, but each of you still has that bracelet. Oh, I actually like that. That's actually really cool. Yeah. So it's just like this idea of a talisman for some people. They don't, you know, they don't have the separation anxiety as badly, but when they're at school, they're just terribly missing parent, guardian, grandma. Mm -hmm. So you give them something of yours that you say, mm -hmm. you hang on to this for the day for school, but I'm going to be here at three o'clock because I want it back. And so they know that you're going to be there, but they do mm -hmm. have to stay in school for the day for you to be able to come and get it. Yeah, I think that's actually a really cool way of, of doing like things like that and reconnecting them too. So I think I would have loved to have that. I had separation anxiety when I was younger um, after my dad passed. So I think that would have been really helpful. So things you'll learn, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually started also doing some research about grounding techniques. Yeah. And I actually found um, some grounding techniques that are good for, you know, adults, children. Um, it's really, really helpful. So I'm going to be posting this. I think it's really cool. Um, and it's, it's a simple, it kind of sounds funny, but it's, it's finger breathing, wave breathing, dandelion breathing, mm -hmm. bear hug, breathing, you know? So I think also like this is going to be a really, um, hopefully it'll be a helpful tip for, you know, students and teachers, um, especially teachers. Like my, like my hope that obviously this has played a, a big role on, on mental health for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I really do hope that the, like, you know, the curriculum has changed a little bit to make sure, you know, like there has been adjustments made that these teachers are allowed to be checking in on their students and their mental health. And maybe even, you know, throughout the day being able to do something, you know, some kind of techniques or coping skills for this. And I think this would be really beneficial. And maybe I'm biased. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll find out. But you know what I mean? I think I just I, I really do. I, like, I hope that this has made an impact enough to be maybe implemented a little bit more in curriculums. But who knows? I guess we'll be able to see. I in think a few weeks. Yeah, I think we were going that way already. Mm -hmm. I, I did see quite a few more schools implementing, you know, uh, mental health uh, breaks, like, you know, mm -hmm. offering like yoga at lunch. And uh, there's some room or some schools where they have a separate room and it's just like a cool down room. Um, okay. I'm blanking on which one it was, but they had this really cute, like aquarium thing, but it was almost like a giant lava lamp and it was dark oh, okay. in the room. And so then there were mats and you could just kind of go lay down, you could throw some pillows and then you could just be soothed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, sometimes kids, um, particularly kids with ADHD or ones that are on the spectrum or just ones that are going through a really hard time, it's very easily for, get, for them to get overstimulated and they have to be just removed from the situation. Um, mm -hmm. but with kids and even with adults, like there's, 
almost two extremes of what we have to work towards to, de to deal with anxiety. And one mm -hmm. is by grounding and bringing the anxiety down naturally by trying to force it down. And the other one is by exploding out and get rid of, getting rid of the energy that way. So I really hope that they're going to spend more time outside and let them run and let them play and let them pour out that energy and a little less time inside if it's possible. Yeah, I think that would be beneficial too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Obviously, so we've, you know, we've touched a lot on, on children and stuff like, you know, young children and, and kids and everything like that. So what are your thoughts? So say I'm returning to Lakehead or Kong College or whatever. I'm not too sure like the, how that process is going to work, but what are your kind of uh, maybe some strategies to managing stress at like a little bit of an, like, like an older age? So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a university student and you have to do everything online, okay, well, what is it that I need to do to make sure that I uh, have enough time to, you know, devoted to the work itself, to devoted to the lectures and the reading? Um, what do I have to do? You know, for some people, it's even better that way because they can plan their own time. They can work off their own schedule. But mm -hmm. um, it, I think, you know, one of the things about going to a facility, going to a building is just the the fact that you get a little, little bit of outside, you get a sense of uh, having accomplished something for the day. Whereas if you're sitting inside all day, you're on a computer, it can be very, um, uh, well, it can be bad for your health. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. Um, getting outside is definitely, I think it's definitely helpful during these, these times. Um, I also learned recently about uh, stress journaling. Mm hmm and I didn't know, like, obviously I know journaling, like I, I've been using that technique. So like for anxiety. So I thought this was kind of neat. So basically like writing down, you know, things that may have triggered the stress and how you felt about it, you know, how like your response to it. Obviously we talked also about like the soothing kits, um, which mm -hmm. are super beneficial for anyone who doesn't know what a soothing kit is. Do you want to tell them about it? A self-soothing kit is just something that you build uh, out of just things that are very pleasing to, you know, to your senses. So things that um, smell good, feel good, remind you of good times, pictures, mementos, uh, anything that you can just, just open up the box or the kit or whatever it is. And automatically those things make you feel very calm and grounded. So mm -hmm. we all have things that make us feel that way. You know, for some people, they can honestly be old Barbie dolls. <laughs> you know, for some people, they can be candles and or, um, you know, all the keychains that people used to buy for <laughs> other people. I yeah. have so many keychains from trips I never took. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's things that we can kind of play with. And uh, especially if it's off the electronics, it's uh, much more helpful because you're there in the moment. I have a lot of these old novels, my old V.C. Andrews novels that I've probably read 30 times in my life. And uh, they're very soothing because I know exactly what happens in the story. And it also brings me back to the first time I ever read the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're really, really interesting. Um, I'm definitely I, I definitely created one here. And I think it's really, really a cool idea. Um, and it's, it's for everyone, too. We even talked about um, doing it with like with uh yeah like the young children and letting them create like a box and like you know do like decorate their box or whatever the case may be even if it's like a bag and kind of make it like a weekend thing and like it, it can turn into like an arts and crafts thing so i think that's a really cool idea too for the kids yeah and um, it's something that they could even pick something from the self-soothing box and take it with them each day 
so yeah, that they I think are. That's a great idea. Yeah, and then it's just mm-hmm. again giving them a, a better sense of control. Uh, what I meant too about the planning uh, piece of it is it's not no, like necessarily about, okay, I have three classes this week. Uh, I got to figure out how to get to them and stay safe mm-hmm. or uh, it's really, okay, let's look at a calendar. Let's pop this into my, my iCal or my Google calendar and break it down. Okay. Half an hour, it'll take me to get here. You know, this amount of time it's going to take me to get here and really, really focusing on cutting things out of your life that don't need you right now because all of this other stuff is going to take up a lot of your energy and absolutely anything that is not necessary right now, you need to drop it. Mm-hmm. And that includes friends that drain you rather than add to your life. Yeah, that's really important. I think, what was the, like, what's the analogy about the half cup or like your cup is half full? You can't, I can't, can't remember pour, how it goes. You can't pour from an empty cup. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of us, there's a lot of people that are natural helpers and they're so honorable. They're so noble. They're so kind. Uh, but it, sometimes what happens is we do too much for others. You know, our cup becomes empty and then we are more emotional and we are more easily offended and we uh, start to resent what we have given away. But mm-hmm. if we start by filling our own cup first, and that means taking care of our health making time for ourselves, eating the right foods, you know, doing things that make us feel accomplished and stable and grounded, then our cup is going to run over. So we have plenty to give. I love that analogy. I remember that one and uh, Kelly's Kelly Graham's analogy about, excuse me, um, the spoon theory as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, they're really beneficial right now. And it's so true. Like, you know, obviously self-care is, is really important right now, making sure, you know, that you're taking the time and, and, you know, you're taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like to you. It doesn't have to be a bubble bath with a scented candle. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get confused when we discuss self-care too, right? They go to, okay, I don't need a bubble bath, but it's, it's so much more than that. So whatever it is that you feel you know, that makes you happy, that, you know, makes you calm and and reduces your stress, do that and make sure that you're keeping up with it, you know, so because we need you. Yeah. Uh, You know, any place, any thing, situation that like in which you choose to spend your energy, it comes at a cost. So you have to decide if your energy is you know, being used uh, to create assets or to create liabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are pouring your energy into partying with friends and drinking because you're so stressed, that's going to be a liability. You're going to feel terrible the next day. You're going to be drained. Your your body's not going to be functioning as well as it could. But if you pour your energy into, say, you know, having a good supportive conversation with your child about, you know, ways to feel strong and courageous while they go through this, Now, that may drain your energy, but that is an investment in that child's well-being and therefore in your own quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you make a really good point. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have a talk with my son about these these videos. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast has has, has opened up a whole different, a few topics for you today. (laughs) Yeah, these YouTube guys, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Tips today. (laughs) Ow. (laughs) All right. So Linda, so final thoughts, um, on, um, this, like the coping skills podcast for returning to classes. There are many coping skills in this world. Some are positive, some are negative. 
uh, what we want to do with any problem we face is number one, acknowledge that problem, acknowledge how you feel about it or how the person feels about it, uh, seek validation and empathy, and then find a way to solve that problem. We can't solve the fact that there is a pandemic. We can't change this, but we can limit how uh, widespread it's going to be and how much it affects people by just taking some some simple steps and by abiding by some rules and being kind to each other because we are all struggling. So acknowledge it, get that empathy, and then let's figure out how to feel better about this while getting done what we have to get done. Perfect final thought. All right, guys, as per usual, um, we are 100% here for you through Kelly Mental Health. Um, you can contact us through our Facebook page. It's as simple as typing in Kelly Mental Health. Or you can visit our website at www.kellymentalhealth.com. Actually, I really wanted to pinpoint out, if you go to our services on our website, uh, we have a tab for resources under services. And there is tons, tons of info available to you guys to help you through a lot of situations that I'm sure we are all or have gone through or are going to go through. So tons of information there. So do not hesitate, take the time, look at some stuff. Um, there's also activity worksheets, everything. So, and if you need a little bit more assistance and those types of um, skill, uh, techniques and coping skills aren't working for you, do not hesitate, reach out to us. You can contact us locally here um, with area code 807-767-38888. So we look forward to talking to you guys again. We hope that this helped. And thank you, Linda, for taking so much time out of your busy schedule to do this and share this information with our community. Thanks for uh, starting this up and making sure that we're talking about these important topics. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys next week.